Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. and I are downtown at, uh, what's it called? Crap Lake City. Crap Lake City? Yep. It's Crap, C-A-R-P? Yeah. That's actually Craft. C-A-R-P. But Nick makes a good point. The name Craft Lake City, which is a great big craft technology slash handcrafty prints and like embroidery things and girly stuff, right? Yeah. That's kind of a male point of view on that, but... Uh, but also some really cool like portrait things and nerdy stuff, kind of like Comic Con except for more skewed towards I don't hipsters. know hipsters. Hipsters. Yeah, it's like hipster Comic Cons. What this is. Hipster That's Con. very well said. Hipster Con, better name than Crap Lake City. Yeah. Carter, how you feel? About what? I don't know. Life. It's really hot today. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Uh, you guys are all wearing much less clothing than me, but since I wear all white. It's like bouncing off and I'm not hot at all. We're crazy. Listen, so what's your favorite thing about Crap Lake City? Uh, <laughs> the fact that you're calling it Crap Lake City. Oh, is it? It's not crap? It's what not is it, honey? Craft Lake City. Oh, craft. Craft. Like craft beer? <laughs> not crap beer? Crap beer. All right, well, anyway, we're just kind of wandering around and looking at things. And looking at all the Did you see this, this Mario print this guy's got for sale? It's amazing. Yeah, let's go look at that. We'll come back and talk to you in a minute. So, Nick, do you think we should um, do a booth at Craft Lake City? We're already doing one at Comic-Con. Yeah, but is that enough? Don't you want the world? Sure. <laughs> As if this little strange city-based thing is the world? It, totally. Um, yeah, the Comic-Con one should be good. It should pay off, I think. Mm-hmm. If anyone at home is listening who lives in the Salt Lake area or you're planning to come to Salt Lake City Comic Con, check us out at booth number I don't know what. Yay. And we'll be selling prints and uh, swag, mouse pads, frisbees, stickers. And I'll just be watching. You'll just be hanging out, helping us out. You can, uh, you can give me food occasionally and things yeah, like that. I don't do much else. No. I know what your job is. What? To do my bidding. <laughs> do yeah. my bidding, boy. Anyway, mainly today it's just fun hanging out with you guys. That was the goal of today. Yeah. So How do you feel about that off. so far? It's pretty good. All right. Well, may we all live live in peace with one another and never set fire to government installations. Great. Bye now. Hello. 
I am by the lake. I don't know if you can hear the lake or the birds in the lake. Currently watching. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to guard the wind from this mic because it's getting windy. Got a storm blowing in. I'm sitting by the lake after a jog, and there's um, there's two ducks. I think they're ducks. They have white beaks, which is a little odd. And I'm watching them fight over something that's floating in the lake. Probably somebody's bread loaf or who knows what. Anyway, we'll see how that goes while I talk to you here. So it's the day after we heard about Robin Williams dying. And while I think the internet only has a certain uh, threshold for how much of that conversation they're willing to take before they start to complain that they want to move on to something else... um, it's been a lot more affecting than I expected. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've talked about it at length on a couple of shows already, so I don't, you know, need to reiterate all that. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like that guy was never going to be gone. Uh, and, you know, it's so easy for people to get wrapped up in celebrities when they die and not even know that a. You know, a kid up the road got hit by a car and died today, or, you know, an old lady downtown got run over, or I don't know why I'm dealing with all the runovers. But you know what I mean? I don't know why that is. What is that in humans that, uh, is it because it's a, an event that can bring multiple people together to discuss it, or there's a shared experience there? Is that what it is? Or is it something else? You know, was there a part? Was there a part of me that needed Robin Williams to exist? Needed his brand of humor. Yeah, those ducks are fighting. Um, was there a part of his thing that I needed to keep going somehow? You know what I mean? Like, did it provide fuel for my otherwise? how to describe it. I've thought about that. I don't know if that's it. I mean, I was, I'll never be as broken as I was the day my dad died. He was also 63. So if anything, part of my communal mourning for Robin Williams is the idea that my dad uh, died the same age he did, and it just struck a chord with me and reminded me that 63 is young and too early to go. But, um... I don't know. It's an odd. Uh, it's an odd thing, because everybody's you know pretty unanimous. Uh, well, for, for the most part, because what ends up happening is it, you have the initial shock, and you have people being sad about it, and then you have uh, people who don't don't get why it's a big deal or start talking smack about it, and you know the internet just amplifies this stuff, so that they actually have a voice and you can hear that stuff and talk about oh he's a coward because he killed himself or. You know, just completely uh, discounting what it means to have severe depression or any kind of mental illness, to just completely brush that over. I guess there's still a cultural element alive and well that says, 
you know, rub some dirt in it and move on. Yeah, I mean, that crew, that, that group of people surely exists. You hear from them all the time. And then there's this third group who by about hour 12 or so are, have somehow turned the conversation into why Obama's a bad president or something. I think in this case, yeah, that springs from him. You know, he released a statement after he died about, you know, his significance in our culture and that he'd be missed and all that. But then didn't immediately have something to say about those riots in Ferguson. So we all think we have it figured out, don't we? You've noticed that? Everybody thinks they've got the answer to everything. And that everyone else's answer clearly wrong. And they're not listening to my answer. Otherwise, they would know my answer is the right one. I don't have any answers. Or maybe that is my answer. <laughs> I always say the only absolute in this life is there are no absolutes. And I really believe that. But maybe I'm... Maybe that's just my protect... Maybe I'm just protecting myself with that kind of language. Hey, guys. What's up? I don't have bread. And if I did, I'm not sure it's all that healthy for you. But do you know what I mean? Everybody thinks they've got this worked out. This whole... All the nuance and all the complexity of life, they've got an answer for it. And increasingly, they have a 140-character answer for it, or less. I just don't think it's that simple. I'm actually dreading. There's So my in-laws, some of them, have a tendency to do this, to oversimplify, and to uh, make quick judgments and uh, armchair quarterback somebody else's life. And uh, I'm just bracing for the dinner slash get-together where somebody brings up the Robin Williams suicide and suddenly they'll have all the answers and they'll all be laced with judgment and fear and hoke, complete hokey hoke. And I'll be left to either get up and leave or to lash out or to ignore them or I don't know what, but I don't look forward to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think about this kind of stuff all the time about, you know, mortality and legacy and that kind of stuff. I think it's every human's desire to have an impact. So then you got, you got a guy like him who had a giant impact, an enormous impact culturally, comedically, artistically. And then, you know, you had his... So that's our, you know, that's us feeling the impact. But if Robin Williams is a guy that became an accountant and nobody knew anything about him and he died yesterday, he'd be in some local Ohio obituary and nobody would have been the wiser. So I don't know, I don't understand the whole fame thing, you know? I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't understand it. I get it. When people who actors or whoever die or you know famous people that mean something to me die I feel that it's just like somebody else would feel 
that. You know, if a tour bus tipped over and all of one direction perished, I may not have the reaction that my niece and her demographic would have, but surely they'd have it. I just watched the kid biff it on his bike. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. Um, but why do we do that? Like, what is that? You know, and then we have people like, people don't want George R. R. Martin to die before his book gets out. And I don't know why they care about that. I mean, I know why they do. But it's kind of the opposite of this thing, right? Where they want him to not die before they get the thing they're here for, which completely discards him as a human being. And all they really care about is his output. Well, is that what they're married to, is his output? Is that why we're sad about Robin Williams? Because we're not going to ever get another amazing acting performance or comedic role or stand-up routine or moment on a late-night talk show where he's tearing up the couch and making everybody weak with laughter? Probably that's it. You know, if you want to boil all this down to its raw chemical elements, it's a little bit of a selfish thing. And isn't it that when people close to us die too, if your father dies, aren't you just, isn't that a selfish thing? I mean, I don't mean it with all its negative connotations and all its pejoratives. I just mean your sadness is about you and how it affects you that someone's gone, not about you feeling bad for that person or other people. I, I think that's important to admit, I think. That you're not upset. You're just upset because you lost something. So you're upset because you lost Philip Seymour Hoffman or Robin Williams or whoever. thinking about um, I don't know if you just go back look at people like Bob Hope well to us you know who cares right because we're out of that we're kind of totally out of that generation but there's a generation who was real upset when Bob Hope finally died at 101 or whatever he was wasn't he close to that well why again because he provided entertainment and laughter or whatever and now that's gone so they're feeling selfish <laughs> it sounds bad I just think it's natural I don't mean it to sound bad I think we may, we've, you, we've gone ahead and made that word sound bad it's just a you know it's an extension of human preservation it's the same reason you I don't know you see a truck coming and you worry about if you're going to get hit or you feel turbulence in a plane and you're worried about you're going to crash you don't think about everyone else on the plane you think about you right now, if your wife's next to you and your kids are there with you, you might think about them also, or you might be thinking of them at home. But that, as an extension, is part of your mortality. If you go, they'll be without you. And what will they do without you? Can they survive? Can they subsist? Can they be happy? Can they do all these things, right? Can they go on? So it's still all part of your existence and your uh, desire to survive, Physically, mentally, whatever. 
I think that's how it works. But been thinking a lot about that. And uh, then you start thinking about those outlying people who somehow break that and do things seemingly completely for others with no regard for themselves. And there are plenty of good examples, both famous and not famous examples of people who do that. My dad used to do that kind of thing. He'd just disappear one day and we'd not know where he went. And we'd find out years later that he had seen a guy in the street that looked like he was in pretty bad shape and couldn't shake it out of his head and decided that afternoon to drive back out there and see if he can get him some food and help him out and would just never tell us about it. You know, years later he'd mention it in passing or it would come up because we pried out of him or something. I don't do that like he did. And I wish I could do that more or would do that more. You know, then again, a huge portion of the time he dedicated to doing more things like that were in his probably late 40s to late 50s, kind of that period. Maybe maybe things change for you then, your perspective changes. Maybe you have more time. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of factors, obviously. We all have a legacy to leave. Maybe yours and mine will be far less uh, large of a footprint than somebody like Robin Williams, but I think even if it's just one kid, one wife, one husband, one relationship, one friendship, if that's all it ever is, I think that's a good thing. If you kind of left that space better than you found it. We were Boy Scouts, they'd always tell us that. Leave the campground better than you found it, which meant pick up other people's trash, right? There's a lot of wisdom in that. Pick up other people's trash. It seems like the dumb idea or the thing you don't want to do, but sometimes perhaps it's the right thing to do. And doing the right thing is the hardest thing. Anyway, I'm going to keep walking. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out with me. Sorry about the wind. I hope it wasn't too bad. I'm trying to guard it. But uh, we'll talk again soon, okay? Stay out of trouble. Be good to who you know. And even try to be good to those you don't. And uh, you and I will talk again soon here on The Diary. Thanks, guys. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.